This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. Hey guys, how are y'all? Oh, wait, let's listen for it. Nothing. Listen I think for they're what? doing great. The response. Oh. How yeah, are there y'all? Wasn't, there wasn't a quick response. How are you two today? Good. Greg is purposefully not giving an indication. And Talia, I'm fine, you Doug. smiled. Okay. Doug, I'm fine. You should probably... I'm fi- we're fine. We're you totally should probably fine. listen in to this podcast I've heard about. It's called We're Not Fine. Because I think fine is an acronym for some really bad juju. Wait, does that mean that you are also speaking for humanity? So I usually do. And I'm usually <laughs> spot on. So I just want to talk about like something that just happened in my life. Oh, so tell us. I always, <laughs> it's not really that juicy. It's more just a fascinating thing. So when my children went off into their own lives and I was an empty nester, I'm like, all right, what is my, some people don't like the term bucket list, but I'm like, what's on my plate that I really want to do in this life? And there were like, aside from the obvious, like travel the world, enjoy as much food that's great if I can all that sort of thing. I had two things on my list that I've always wanted to do in my entire life that I've never done. And one was to learn to play the piano. And I remember way back in my undergraduate program, I took a semester of piano and I just was not in a place to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted to play the piano. I think it's beautiful. I think it seems therapeutic. So I bought an electric keyboard recently, have it in my office. It's really, really beautiful. Sounds like a piano. But the other thing, is that it's a little embarrassing having been a dad for a long, long time, but also growing up in the country. I don't know how to swim. And whenever I say that, like one of my my friends is like, Doug, everybody knows how to swim. And I'm like, nope, that would be not me. And I have lots of jokes about this. You know, I've gone to Key West, I've tried scuba diving, and I literally float to the bottom of the ocean. And then they pull me up with the rope. I think that's called sinking. Yeah, it's called sinking. And I I warned I warned the scuba instructor, I will sink to the bottom. And he said, that's impossible in the ocean. Well, as I'm sitting on the ocean floor waving, like, get me the fuck up. Um, Do you have, like, rocks in your pockets of your swim I, trunks? Well, no. I Well, I don't know. Doug, maybe. I'm actually so impressed with you. It makes me want to, like, cry a little. It's so sweet. Because usually, by the time we get to adulthood, we don't ever want to do anything that we're bad at. Yeah, I'm the opposite except. So I have to tell you, so I sign up finally for these private swim lessons at the YMCA in Hudson, Wisconsin. And I'm going to my first lesson on Friday. And I will tell you something, and it's just fascinating. And I hope people can understand that 
even if exactly what you said, Talia, no matter what our age, we have these moments where we're like, I want to try it. I started getting anxious. It's like a five minute drive for me to get to this place. I started getting anxious the minute I got in my car. And then by the time I got to the parking lot of the Y, I was almost like my heart was racing. And I thought, what is going on here? And I like, I like being self-aware, but I still don't always know. So I walk into the front desk and the woman looks at me when I say I'm here for a swim lesson. And I thought, okay, now I'm feeling ashamed that I'm like my age and I've never learned to swim. And she just stared were at me and I said- Were you surrounded by five-year-olds that were also in line? Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm so sitting there and she you. just- Well, and she looks at me and I'm like sitting at the on the other side of the desk and she's like- and she just stared at me and I said, I know I'm not the typical swim class person. She goes, oh, no, it's not that. It's that our system is down. I'm like, if it's down, I can come another time. Like, I tried getting out of it. And then the You're other like, It people, looks like that's a sign from the universe that I'm not going to float to the bottom today. So she, so she says, no, we can just write down your information and get you in. Do you have a padlock? And I said, for what? Like, I am so out of touch with everything going on. So I'm told to find this person in a blue swimsuit. <laughs> so I get in the locker room, change into my trunks. I walk to the pool area. I'm a little triggered by the smell of the pool because I'm like, there's some trauma here somewhere in my past. Yes. I walk up to this poor, unsuspecting person whose name is Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, for being my instructor. And I said, so I'm going to just apologize in advance. This is not good for me. I have panic about this. I'm feeling really anxious. I'll probably start crying at some point here soon. <laughs> She was so empathic and kind and and generous with like being able to talk with me and let me ask any questions I needed. So thank you, Jessica, so much. I can't wait to continue working with you. You know, and truth be told, I it's like the silliest thing. Like water goes in my nose and I panic. And I'm like, and she's like, but it's going to go in your silly. nose. That's how it works. <laughs> right. But I totally get that. So my question for you is, are you as proud of yourself as I am? Because it's um, amazing not, that you're doing now, that. This goes, Talia, to your comment about like, it's hard to do things that you're not competent at. Like doing a podcast has been for me. <laughs> I feel better Slow now. Us but, down. Oh my God. But when you're not competent at your age, you kind of like, okay, why am I not good at this? Because I'm good at a lot of things. So I did get frustrated. I'm like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to keep doing this. And then I do this thing where like, she's like, there's this elementary stroke under the water for the backstroke. And then pretty soon you'll be able to do this. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to that right away. And funny enough, it worked great. So I was like halfway through the pool lane and I'm like, I'm actually moving and I'm on top of the water and I can breathe. So I'm, I'm a little excited, but I, I will feel proud of myself when I've mastered a little bit more. I'm not oh, quite there. You but are freaking amazing. <laughs> I, I'm i going to have to, com, you know, compile my list of, of bucket list things. The only thing I can only semi-relate to that is that last week I had to go and get blood and I have a total phobia or give blood, I mean. Get blood drawn for labs. That should summarize it for, you know, just a primary care situation. And I sat down and I was like, I am so sorry. I have a phobia. I'm already profusely sweating. I promise I'm not going to pass out, but I might like see stars and start, you know, panicking and sweating. And she was like, oh, don't worry. I've been doing this for three days and I think I've got the hang of it. And I'm like, what? And, but she was just messing with me. And I was like, no, this is good. This is good. You're fucking with me. I love you already. I, that like calmed me down. Yeah. That's I was good, like, just right? keep talking to me. And I looked over and there were like, what seemed like 8,000 
vials that she was supposed to fill. I felt like, have you guys ever seen, Never mind. I don't even know what the movie was called with, it's like Dr. Rick Marshall, Chaka, you know, Will Ferrell, Don, I don't even remember, but it was basically like I was ready to have my entire volume of blood drained from my body and die. But guess what? I'm here to tell the story. So you are here. Face your fears, peeps. Maybe yeah. that maybe that's a new topic for another episode on how to face fears and phobias. And because I, I have a friend of mine that was deathly afraid of speaking engagements, like could not be on stage to talk in front of a bunch of people Common, and, right? yeah, and now she is a rock star speaking in oh. front of literally tens of thousands of people every year i think she should be a guest i was oh. gonna say maybe we could have just some like personal success stories on people who like have overcome terror and panic and like old trauma and i'll show a video of me backstroking Swimming. down the <gasps> swim lane Yes, for our I will VIP. Say I, got so, I will say I got so far down the lane, though, that Jessica was just swimming next to me and monitoring me. And then when I put my head up, she's like, you can't touch ground here. And I panicked, of course. I'm like, what can I grab? I'm glad I didn't grab her. That would have been, like, horrible for her. So I grabbed the buoy in between the lanes. So there's still panic. But, yes, overcoming right. fear is a great topic. I would yes. like your friend to be on this because that, that process of overcoming public speaking is so common. It's so you know, think about speech. Think about when you had to do things in, in elementary or junior high or high school. Lots of kids get really anxious about that. And yeah. not that everybody needs to public speak, by the way. But, but what's interesting about that topic in particular for me is that there's, there's, no, there's no shortcut. There's no way around it. The only way around right. it is through it, and you just have to do it. And that is the most interesting part about it to me well and there's there's that proverbial sort of like suggestion to envision everyone in their underwear which does not work for me no because then i go other places with that i pick the person (laughs) who i want to see in their underwear and then i'm distracted and then i can't remember what i was going to say yeah that's not good for you for sure it's not good (laughs) you could just like avoid the things that are making you so uncomfortable but oftentimes there are things that it would make our world so much smaller if we were afraid of even just trying to move through it like plane rides needles public speaking but like if you have a fear of like frogs or snakes that might be a little easier to avoid I love both of those. Talia, even going to your comment, though, about your taking blood and how anxiety producing it is, you know what the outcome is, right? Like, you know that the outcome is going to be like, you'll have information about your health. You'll have critical information to, you know, ascertain if there's anything going on with your health. So if you have that positive outcome in mind, anyway, we'll get to that when we talk about fears, but that's a really good way of reality testing. Like, remember what you're trying to get here. So yeah. So today, today we have some mailbag questions that are around the workplace. The first one's pretty short, but you guys might have some thoughts on, on this. Um, the question comes from Chenille. I deal with a lot of queen bee mean girls in the workplace. Some of them are catty, like they won't even say good morning or good night, while some make mean comments about the way I look and talk to others. How can I deal with this until I find a new job? How do you deal with these types of people? Oh, God. Awful. I mean, what is this, like, middle school? Right. so girls, I mean, boys and girls can be really aggressive in their own ways when they're not 
mature and they're in elementary school, middle school, and sometimes even high school if they haven't outgrown it. But this is just pathetic. I mean, usually it's that they haven't figured out a way to have self-esteem without being the mean girl or the queen bee or, you know, triangulating people against each other. So like, I'm the queen bee. I'm going to pull the popular accountants. I mean, it's just so ridiculous, whatever it is. I'm going to pull like these two people and they're going to be my minions. And then we're going to gather together to make other people feel bad. Because if I create the in crowd, then that means I won't be excluded from it. And it's just really a pathetic, small way of having self-esteem. It's not even real self-esteem. And so if there's any way, Chanel, you can just take it for what it is as really like petty, immature women that are acting like girls, that are unprofessional, that are making the workplace really toxic. And if you can find anyone around you that is mature, that isn't buying in, that isn't drinking the Kool-Aid for whatever this really weird toxic thing is. And just also remember, this is work. This doesn't have to be 100% of your life and your well-being. Whatever you can do, if there are ways that you can just like work from home a couple of days, um, not be involved with these other people. I mean, I'm so sorry. This is a nightmare. If you can't fix it, get the hell out, Doug. So, of, <laughs> of course, I'm probably going to take a little different take on that. Um, I don't Stand think Stand up Chenille... to them. Thank you. Chanel, you do not have to accommodate your professional identity, your behavior, your functioning within your workplace because of women who are hurt, insecure, wounded people. Hurt people do hurt people. And so whatever is driving these women to gang up, by the way, because they couldn't possibly feel powerful on their own. And it, let's call bullying what it is. This is bullying. I encourage you to watch Lindsay Lohan's Mean Girls. It's a yes, really good, that's what I was thinking. An amazing too. movie. Um, and I personally have an experience in a professional setting with a group of women who decided to gang up and have really distorted discussions about me, evidently, that they shared with, unfortunately, somebody who told me what they were talking about in these private little gatherings. Um, and I look back and I'm like, and I just want to encourage you, Chanel, to know it doesn't stick with you. These people are hurt people. They're insecure people. And if they could go directly to you with whatever they want to really say to you, that would be healthy. But these people are not healthy. And that's really the bottom line here. People who do this sort of thing, who gang up on people, um, I got to tell you something. I think it's oftentimes about jealousy. I think there's a reason why they want to try to make you feel small, because they feel small. And that's the important thing to remember. I don't think you need to avoid. I don't think you need to work at home to accommodate this. I think this is also, by the way, just legally a hostile fucking work environment. Mm -hmm. And so assuming you might have an HR group to talk to, you have resources. And you don't necessarily go to HR with a, a specific, like, you're going to have to confront all these people. But it is important to let HR know what you're experiencing because the truth is they're going to do it to somebody as well, else as well. And I'm, I don't think this is gender related. I think it's pervasive in our culture. I think there are men that do this. I think there are women that do this. Right. I think there are non-binary people who do this. I think there are people who do this all over the map. And what you have to do and everything you said, Talia, about, you know, stand, remember who you are, like, remember what it is that you are there to do. 
because this is a professional setting, by the way. And no matter what type of job you're doing, the expectation should be standard. And I am somebody who believes if somebody's walking up to me uh, at the water cooler or something, which I don't have anymore. I guess I do. I have one in my waiting room. But you'd be all alone walking to the water cooler. I would be. But, you know, if somebody were to like if somebody from my building were to start like Mm. putting me down, like, oh, what are you wearing today? I'd be like, what the fuck is it your business? But I've gotten to a place in my life where I feel powerful. I feel good about myself. I love myself. I can take care of myself. When you are vulnerable, which is when my event happened, actually, I was going through a really, really difficult time in my life. And there were people such as you, Talia, who stuck with me and who were my friends and saw me through all of that very difficult learning experience and developmental crises in my life. And then there were people that didn't. But, you know, Chenille, based on where you're at, and those people are not going to enter my life, it, you know, we've we've had an episode uh, or will have an episode on grudge keeping. The truth of the matter is I have grudges with those people. They will never enter my professional or social sphere again. I just have no time for that. I have so many loving people in my life who have been supportive and loving and kind. So, Chenille, surround yourself with those people who are loving and kind. But again, you don't have to live in a work environment. You don't have to work in a work environment where this exists. You get to go to HR and process different ways of handling this. But honestly, if they're commenting on your appearance, if they're trying in a weird sort of micro passive aggressive way to put you down, I would just say, what's that about? What is what is what I'm wearing or how my hair is or how my makeup is? Any of your business. And you might initially cause some havoc and they might go back to their girl gang and say, oh, my God, look what she said to me, which is, again, very junior high. And so remember developmentally where they're at. You will come out on top if you remain true to yourself and you don't engage at that low level of behavior. Well, so like maybe little again, like the baby steps of like if we're not able to just like stand up and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Or just, you know, that, get though. your own girl. You just sounded to... good when you said that, Talia. Like that Thank was so you. powerful. But you I'm know, like... that's not how I roll. I oh, just but... like am not capable of that, really. Oh, we got plenty of time. But I'm picturing a scenario where you might even be able to just like lightly call somebody out on their really rude and hostile behavior by even just calling it what it is or just being like, wow, that was mean. Or like, wow, someone didn't have a good night's sleep. Or wow, someone's having a bad day. Or even it's like you're not sinking down to their level necessarily, but you're also not letting it get under your skin. You're just calling it like, wow, that was aggressive. That was hostile. Jeez. You know, actually that's a bet, but that's being really direct. I love it. I think if you look at those people and like, I, what? Like that that seems really hostile what's going and on. And sometimes just Add the a what's wow going on by the way. Might well, be I, I don't even I don't think just the wow. <laughs> I would say I don't know what's going on, but wow, that was really mean. Just call right. it what is and walk away or let the person respond. And I I will tell you something because I think these people are hurt people who do this. I'm the person who probably would say, "Are you okay?" because that seems really like not about me at all. Are you would having a you tough day? Would you ever ask the queen bee? Like, go up to the queen bee and sit down at her desk and be like, hey, I think we need to talk about something. Is that a rhetorical question to me, Talia? Because... What would you... How would you say it? But picture that you're not you. Picture (laughs) that you are me. How would you do it? But like you, when you speak for all people, I believe that everyone should behave a certain way. I'm kidding. That's not exactly realistic. How would um, you do it if you're not like rolling up your sleeves ready to like punch someone? 
<laughs> Here's what I want to say about that. I believe this. I believe, first of all, you shouldn't go to the queen bee unless you have data. Because I'm not into gossip as well. I'm not into hearsay. I'm not into all this stuff. But if someone says, if you hear it from the queen bee, if the queen bee is the one at the water cooler or wherever you are, that they're the actually one saying it to you. Yeah, I absolutely believe. I would absolutely go and so say, I don't know what's going on between you and I, but that comment, I'm not, I'm not welcoming those. I don't want them anymore. I think you need to stop commenting on my clothing or my attire or my body or my makeup or my hair. You know, I get comments on my hair all the time. I'm kidding. Because it's long any. and flowing and gorgeous. Yeah, I know. And, I, it's and you've unmanageable. still never shown us your long, flowing, curly ponytail. Last night, my my dear friend from college showed them a bunch of pictures of me from early college where I have so jealous waves of hair. It's not pretty. Oh. Anyway, um, so here's the deal about that. I just I yeah, absolutely tell you. Would I go to the queen bee if the queen bee had said something to me? I would probably do, do it at the time because I don't like holding on to things either. Like I couldn't do my work during the day if I had something going on with someone in my building, for example. There's a bunch of other clinicians, attorneys, my friend George, the accountant. I mean, there's all kinds of people in my building. If somebody did something passive aggressive to me, I would need to like in the hallway say, what's going on? Anything we need to discuss? Because I have to get back in my room and not be distracted. So I'm not someone who holds on to stuff very well. I address it at the time. I'm not good at holding on to stuff. I have to get it out. Um, and so I think there's a part where, you know, if if that person is not comfortable doing it at the time, but that queen bee, whoever that person is, which is so gross, by the way, like gang, gang leader. What? Oh, Please. my God. And it's Remember, so unprofessional. It's unprofessional, but really the underlying piece of why people bully or why people gang up is because they feel really low about themselves and insecure. That's right. If you need to like make up stuff in a group of people to go after one person, really inappropriate, but you have so much more power than they do, Chanel, in this world. So stay true to yourself. But yeah, if you can address it directly at the time, that's great. And and I think it's okay to say something as simple as, wow, I'm not sure what's going on for you, but that comment was really inappropriate. It's and really that simple. Sometimes if you can just make eye contact and even just like, wow, what what's that about? Or just like call them out on, just hold up a mirror. Sometimes they can be so embarrassed that they're not even going to continue because you've they've been seen and they've been called out. And there is this like group think that sometimes feels a little bit anonymous to people if they're like a part of a group doing bad things. They sometimes feel like they can get away with stuff because you're not looking them straight in the eyes and being like, Hello, Miranda. Do we have a problem? Or you're like, that will sometimes stop people right in their tracks. Is there a Miranda in your life life that you picked that name for? I don't know. I was to? like kind of feeling a little sex in the city vibe, although Miranda was very lovely. Tali, I liked that idea when you said hold, hold up, up a mirror. mirror. Like, I think we should all carry mirrors around and say, okay, say that to the mirror. And right. see whether that's something you'd like to hear yourself. But that's right. Be like, do you like the way you're showing up in the world? Does this make you feel good about yourself? Nobody actually would ever say that, but you could. So honestly, at the end of the day, do not take this on. It is not about you. Whatever they're saying to you is not about you. And if you cannot with direct addressing the issue to the party who's saying those things to you, go to your HR and say, this is not comfortable. I don't know what to do here, but I'm just letting you know this is happening because if it gets worse, 
this but, does become a hostile work environment. And maybe yeah, they're trying to do that because they're jealous of your job or they want a friend That's to right. come visit or whatever. That's right. You know, take or that maybe job. the boss loves you more than they love them. Or if the hostility and the toxicity is coming from above and you don't really have allies, go to Indeed. So I don't, but job. I don't think you need to run from your employment if you enjoy it. And so, Chenille, yes, I do like you better than I like them. And maybe they know that about your <laughs> boss as well. I am Team Chenille. I got your back. Me too. We feel for you. Go get him, Tiger. <laughs> there we go. Um, our next question, <laughs> our next mailbag question comes from someone who's actually transitioning to leave their job. Uh, it's funny mm -hmm. enough that you, that you mentioned that. Hmm. Um, they are uh, quitting their current job. And this is Audrey, by the way. Audrey's quitting her current job because um, they lied to her about what the position involved. And so she's, she feels like it's way beneath her skills. She's bored, doesn't have much to do. Um, she says she's literally never busy. And she just, so she doesn't feel like she's leaving them in the lurch because there's nothing for her to do for her job. Mm. Um, but she is terrible at confrontation. And she's wondering how about to go tell them that she's leaving and that you know friday will be her last day she she wants to know if she has to do it in person or if she can do it remotely she is a remote employee and she knows that she has to return equipment and things like that but she she's not sure how to approach this because she feels like they're going to get angry at her because she's recently hired and she's only been there three months and she's afraid that um, with the difficulties they've had hiring people, that they could try to take it out on her um, as she's trying to leave. And I think that that's her biggest fear, whether they're going to get mad at, mad at her or not or upset at her or not and how she should approach that. You know what I think about this, Audrey, is that, you know, it's very possible given the fact that you identified that they're having a hard time getting people in, in this employment situation, that they maybe made the uh, position look a little more attractive than it really is because they wanted to lure you in. But again, honesty is the best policy. I'm always going to say that. But I, and I also think that, you know, you being satisfied professionally is a priority. We all need purpose. We all need to feel good about what we're doing. And we all need to feel like we're contributing something, hopefully, to our positions. So I say, have no fear about that. And if you're worried about them getting mad, again, unprofessional. Like, I don't know why anyone would get mad at somebody taking care of themselves. And if it leaves them in a lurch, that's their responsibility. They are in those positions for a reason. You don't have to stay and suffer in whatever way you're suffering in order to accommodate that. So um, in terms of the technicalities of this, I mean, I, I'm not an employment law person or anything like this, but, you know, there's a part of this that it probably says what your notice should be uh, on your job description or what you signed when you became employed. Um, there probably is, a. I, I will tell you, I think it's always good to have something in writing. So writing a resignation letter, and since you're remote, sending it via email makes total sense to me. I don't think you have to do that in person, of course. So I don't even know that you interviewed in person because a lot of times people who work remotely are now interviewing remotely as well. So I think writing an email not only provides kind of a written chain that you can rely on and be very clear about what your intentions are, but if they do want to have a conversation with you, like an exit interview to figure out what's going on for you, by all means, let them know, you know, I don't know that you need to go as far as to be like, you lied to me, but I think you do get to say that. So this position is not turning out to be one that's a good fit for me. I need more challenge. I need more, you know professional uh, growth in this position, whatever words you want to use, 
it is important to give them feedback because you know you want them to succeed in the future too, not that you're responsible for that. But I always tell people, you can't expect someone to be better at something until you give them the information. And whether that's personal or professional, give feedback. Say, you know, this was kind of not what I thought. I thought I would be doing more of this. And again, when you're speaking honestly, I encourage you to just kind of remember what your goal is and remember how you want to come off and who you are because it will help you get through this. But I say honesty is the best policy. You do not need to be in person if it's remote. And again, the email is going to be a way that you have some sort of written documentation. Save it in a file. Make sure you have it in case it becomes an issue at all. But just kind of keep some kind of track of, of that communication moving forward. And if they want to talk to you, just be really honest with them about what's going on because it will be a, a way that you can get through that more calmly. I couldn't agree more, really. I mean, the the truth of it is... Audrey, you deserve to have a job that lights you up, that excites you. You deserve to have what you want. And this is really like, I mean, what we're talking about is a breakup, really, and that you're really anxious to have this conversation, which I totally get. It's going to be one unpleasant conversation and possibly an exit interview. But I want you to remember that it's just going to be one conversation that is going to end. And what you're telling them isn't actually up for debate. So what Doug was saying about just like write down your, your resignation letter, you can give them as much or as little feedback as you want to. But if you are very clear about what your bottom line is, that's just non-negotiable. Like for instance, you, you know, that this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be and what I'm really needing is challenge or growth in my development and this just doesn't offer me that you may or may not be met with somebody that is going to try to create what it is you're looking for so you do need to go into that conversation being pretty clear about like if they could offer me this or if they could offer me that you might want to come up with a plan of like this is what I'm needing. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking forward to and give them an option to try to meet you there. But no matter what, have a bottom line. I need this. This is what I'm looking for. I also didn't hear Greg whether or not she already had another job lined up. Usually people don't jump ship until they have something that they're moving towards. But Remember, it's not up for debate. You're not ask, you're not saying I'm unhappy. Um, what you're saying is this is over. I think she's but, unhappy though. Right. No, but right. what you're but if you're leading a conversation just saying like, I'm bored, I'm unhappy, this isn't working, you are inviting feedback, you're inviting suggestions, you're inviting people to question, maybe it's about you, right? So if you go in knowing this isn't up for debate. You're saying that you're done with this position. This position isn't working for you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. But what I'm needing is this very different thing. You could wait a sec to see if there's anything better they can offer you. But I want you to be clear for yourself. Like, is there a dollar amount that would make this better? I hope not because money doesn't make things less boring and miserable. No. Is there a different opportunity? Is there maybe like a position that's higher that would be in alignment with where you're trying to grow in your career? But if this is you're what really I think. Well, hold that, on. So help. she already has another job. So she doesn't need, I mean, so, so it's, this is about her quitting her current job. 
thoughts to go then to the new one. Yeah. That's right. So it's just one painful conversation. I agree with Doug. It can be in an email, but I would say you also have to be prepared to have even just like a Zoom face-to-face goodbye and and just repeat the bottom line of what it is you're needing. And if they're mad, they're mad. Not your problem. I also want to say, Audrey, that, you know, part of this is professional growth for you to be able to identify what is a good fit for you professionally, but also have these conversations with people. This is not going to be based on what my instinct is about your age and where you're at with your career. You're not at the top of your career yet. And so there's going to be these steps that you will continuously probably take and everything, whether that's, again, having personal communications with people about issues or this professional situation with issues, it gives you practice and practice and practice, and it will get easier and easier and easier to communicate without fear uh, what it is that you need and what you want in this element of your life. I agree with both of you to, to an extent, but I also have a little bit of a different take on the fear here, um, mostly because this is becoming more and more common, especially with people that are younger younger and in the earlier hours of their career uh, today that are getting laid off or they're in the, you know, getting um, cut from companies that are trying to right size their their balance sheets right now and they're learning that uh, companies are not families they're learning that companies are entities that have the company's best interest in mind and not necessarily their best career interest in mind and that is a myth that some of the um, HR teams have tried to develop this culture. I'm going to call out Salesforce, you know, to be one of them. This culture of Ohana, and um, you know, we're a family. We stick together. We we want to see everyone succeed. And then suddenly, one out of ten people have have left the building. Um, and it's a it's a wake up call if you haven't been through something like that before. Yeah. And I think something to remember is that you and you alone are the only champion for your career. You can have support. Mm -hmm. You can have HR teams and your boss and others that can get involved to support and help you. But you're the only one to guide the ship on that. You're the only one to decide. If you can't advocate for yourself, no one else will. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that that is something you need to remember that even if they're unhappy with the fact that they've created a situation where they can't hire people to fill roles, if they've created problems, that's not your problem to fix. And even if you do give them advice, which I think is professional to be correct and and professional about this is kind of what I'm looking for. And I don't think this is a good fit mutually mm-hmm. and, they, and they don't take it. That's, that's on them. You know, it's not your job to run the company and to tell them what's in, in their best interest. You have to stick with what's good for you because it could, because it could happen in the other way, the other way around too. I mean, Greg, you know, it's interesting as you talk about that, maybe being a generational thing. Like I have a little sadness about this part of the conversation because I did have people in my career who believed in me. I had supervisors clinically who had they not believed in my clinical skills. I don't know that I'd have the practice that I have today. Thank you, Clay, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who really took me under their wing. I had a professor who took me aside and talked about how impressed he was with my growth in the program. And it was so kind of uh, needed for me to mm-hmm. feel supported. 
So this idea, and I think as we've gone remote in a lot of positions, this idea that you don't have people batting for you in an organization or supporting you, or like when I think about performance reviews, I always think performance reviews should be like, this is what I'd like to see more of you to succeed more in your career and, and be satisfied. So I'm a little sad at the idea that, you know, we're all kind of lone islands kind of taking a look at our own best interests versus the group. And I'm hoping that there still are organizations that it work that way, but I am open to being like an old fogey who has that idealistic mm. view that you should be in a place where you feel nurtured and supported, especially right. if you don't have the skills yet in your career to be great at what you do. Gosh, if I didn't have support when I started, same for you, Tali, if you didn't have support when you started your oh my you know, therapy career, if we didn't have people who believed in us based on what we what they saw as potential, I would not be where I'm at. So. So I will think about like, I have a handful of clients. Of course, it's probably the minority of my clients that feel very loved, supported, encouraged, developed, mentored by their superiors or supervisors or managers or whoever, you know, they directly report to. Um, and that might be something that you just feel like, okay, live and learn. I am seeking that out in my next work environment. That feels really important to me. But yes, like as Greg, as you were saying, like if you really can't find that in your workplace, do not succumb to fraud complex, like every imposter syndrome, like everybody has. Find your mentors, even if you have to pay for them. Like, so, which sometimes yeah, I had to I do yeah. as I was, you know, developing in my career, if I was in a workplace or a group private practice or um, some sort of agency or college campus or something where it's like the supervision I was getting didn't feel adequate and I hired it out. You know, and the piece about Audrey, going, going back to the core issue here of like your fear of whether it's a fear of confrontation, whether it's a fear of taking care of yourself, like, I, again, you know, this might be your growth to really listen to yourself and communicate that effectively in the world and be direct about that. The more we take care of ourselves, the easier it becomes. And, yes. and to manage that fear becomes a really, really core piece of this, because this is not the only place mm. that's going to show up in your life. You want these skills where you can let people know. I'm not satisfied with this circumstance and that's going to be personal and it's going to be professional because my guess is people who have a hard time taking care of themselves in a workplace might also have that same difficulty taking care of themselves interpersonally. That's oh, right. No. For you to develop those skills. Here right? we go. He's going to bring up communication again. Ah. Oh, boy. So, I don't know oh, yawn. Just one of the four C's, the is second of the four C's is communication. And chamomile. No, chamomile is uh, not no, one no of my four C's. I don't even drink that. So, Remember our first ever episode? I still have people commenting that I chimed in saying chlamydia. Remember? I think that oh, was a sapiosexual. You know, remember that I, whole? Was that a chemistry one? I will tell you that oh, my man. friend Kelly, everyone knows Kelly from the grief episode we had. Oh, I love Kelly. Kelly has some of the most Kelly. creative C's I have ever heard. And, <gasps> Better and than chlamydia and chamomile? I'm threatened. Oh, I'm not even sure that I even know all of the C's Charisma. Kelly can come up with. Nope, that's not one of them. Cauliflower? No, nope. Kelly's very creative and has really a great master of the vocabulary. I'm feeling competitive, which is another C. <laughs> so, Audrey, good luck with your confrontation. Yes, God, Audrey, the workplace, I love that you're taking man. care of yourself. Good luck in your career. 
Yes. And it is. It's like so incredibly important for all of your relationships. Just like Doug was saying, you can do this. Don't you wish that we could just feel so good about the way we're showing up in all of these challenging obstacles. So we're so proud of you guys. And, just and they should be, by the way, go for it. they hopefully can be grateful at the end of this conversation that you were honest with them. Yes. Good luck. Don't settle. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at renotfine.com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.